All right, we're live, everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live cast and podcast. It is June 30th, 2022. I'm Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, joined as always by Mike Tanier. Now, uh, we are doing these tier lists of different positions in the NFL. That's what we've been up to for the last month. And we were supposed to be joined by Jeff Schwartz, now, former NFL offensive lineman. And he's running a little late because of a flight delay. So he's hopefully going to join us in about 20 minutes. So we're going to drop some tears on you. And then he can come on and give some thoughts about which teams he would move around. But before we do that, I do want to announce to all of the listeners, first of all, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to ask questions during the show. If you are watching on YouTube and Twitch live, please ask us questions. We love to answer questions during the show. Uh, the big news today is the Kubiak uh, fantasy football projections are now live on the site. The Kubiak preseason tool to get you all of your fantasy football projections, uh, which, you know, you can set to the rules of your league. So it'll give you a draft list based on your league's rules is all in there. And uh, all of our projections are live, including some that I'm sure will be controversial, uh, like Christian McCaffrey being higher than Jonathan Taylor if you're in a PPR league. Whoa. If you think about it, he gets so many more catches that if you're in a PPR league, you know, based on what he did when he was healthy, even if you add a little risk to it, you know, not in a non-PPR league. In a non-PPR league, Taylor. Anyway, all that stuff is now up on the site. So if you're an FO Plus member, you get access to the Kubiak Fantasy Football Tool and – you know, go in, check out the projections, start setting up your leagues for 2022. Uh, don't forget to go to manage leagues in the drop down, and that will bring up all your leagues from last year. And then you hit clone, and then it clones them for 2022 so that you have last year's rule sets for this year's projections. So Kubiak is now live. Check that out. And if you don't have an FO Plus subscription, go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. And get yourself an FO Plus subscription because it gives you a bunch of our advanced stats and it gives you all the fantasy football data, the weekly projections during the season and the preseason projection tool, plus the picks against the spread and everything else we have to offer. So go check that out. If if you're curious, by the way, uh, Kubiak's name comes from the name of Clint Kubiak's father, Gary Kubiak, who was a famous backup (laughs) quarterback. When we started this, so if you want proof that we've been doing this a long time, that this is a product you can trust, it was named after backup quarterback Gary Kubiak, whose son is now a coordinator in the NFL. It's because it's because uh, Baseball Prospectus named their projection system after a backup infielder from the mid '80s. So I'm like, I'm going to name our projection system also after a backup from the mid '80s. And yes. Kubiak's name sounded like one of those old mainframe computers, like Univac yes. and ENIAC. So I right, right, right. What would you call a mainframe computer that did fantasy football projections? You'd call it Kubiak. So there we go. Kubiak. Who, who would think he would have any other fame besides backing up Elway? Who would think he would eventually get two head coaching jobs and win a Super Bowl? <laughs> I did not expect those. Right. Um, So we're doing offensive line tiers today. Unlike for defense, we're combining pass and run. So we're going to uh, consider both run blocking and pass blocking with our tiers. Uh, We have our little tier map to show you. We put all the little logos in it. So Mike's going to give his tiers, and I'm going to give some stats. And Mike's going to point in what direction he thinks the graphic is, but I am absolutely not sure in what direction the graphic actually is because the view we see on our screens is different from the view you see on your screens. And then Jeff will come along in about 20 minutes and help us move teams around in our tiers. So I'm I'm very excited. I'm very excited because my new cell phone just made a little noise to announce that the Football Outsiders live stream had started. Oh, hey, notifications. Everybody should I could actually watch the live stream and then figure out like where the graphic is and then point in the right direction. You'll be like the weatherman when he's trying to figure out where to point to the cold front. Is the cold front yeah, over like here? Yeah. Cold front over here. P. 
people who are listening to this as a podcast are like, actually, I can't see anything. So, <laughs> all right. So tier lists. I'm going to start at the bottom as we often do here and start with the F team tier, the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the three disclaimers going to say here. I know Jake Matthews can play. I know Calvin Gary can play a little bit. Their interior offensive line is a shambles. They have that young man, um, Jalen Mayfield. He's still penciling his start. He was miserable last year. And I think his his backup or his challenger is a six-round pick. And also, I, I'm gonna, you might tell me now that the stats are okay for the Falcons. I watched a lot of Falcons. No! No, they were bad? I'm not going to tell you okay. that the stats are okay for the Falcons. I, I wrote down uh, all of our stats that go in the book. So adjusted line yards and adjusted sack rate and blown block rate on both passes and runs. And I looked at ESPN's pass block win rate and run block win rate. And Atlanta stats are all terrible. I mean, they're not 32nd in everything, but they're close to the bottom in everything except adjusted sack rate. Mayfield led the league in blown blocks last year. Yeah. So, yeah, this offensive line is bad. Is Aaron frozen? Uh, I, you, you're frozen on my screen. Oh, now, now we're getting you. Oh, oh. Jalen Mayfield is so bad that just talking about his blocking froze our screens. That's very (laughs) bad. (laughs) He's like one of those guys in the old vibrating football game who just stands there like this. Yeah. Well, that's sort of how he was when uh, they rushed the passer. So, I thought that their numbers were going to be okay because, again, with first of all, Matt Ryan bailed his offensive line out a few times with his veteran experience and getting rid of the ball and throwing it to these nobody receivers. And then their games, the second halves of those games, was just the opponent just toying with them, like when a cat gets a hold of a, a, of, a of a beetle in the in the basement and just messes around with them. So, you know, you're not getting a lot of sacks and pressures. You're just like, you guys are going to punt. We're going to win anyway. Yeah, they were actually, they were 20th in adjusted sack rate okay, and 20th in adjusted line yards. Okay. But they were near the bottom and everything else. And, it, you know, they, they, they don't scout well. This is this is the worst offensive line in the league right now. Excellent. And they didn't make any upgrades because when we get to the D tier, the first two teams in my D tier have a couple of things in common. One is uh, I kind of put them next to each other to troll our guest when he comes, and I'll point that out to him. But the first two, the other thing they have in common is they were terrible last year, but they drafted a dude in the first round. So first two teams on the D tier are the New York Giants and the Carolina Panthers, two teams that once employed the great Jeff Schwartz, but now are employing Evan Neal, Ike Aquanu, first-round picks, have some other decent talent along the line. Obviously, uh, Thomas stepped up a little bit for the Giants last year. Looks like he's going to be a player at one of the tackle positions. And complete nonsense elsewhere on their offensive lines. Yeah, if you take all the stats that I collected and you average the ranks, which is what I did to get just a sort of neat and tidy, very quick, easy ranking of teams, Carolina is second from the bottom. The Giants are a little bit higher. Because okay. um, Andrew Thomas uh, improved significantly last year over his rookie season. But both of these teams have a lot of question marks on, on the offensive line. Uh, I, I would put the Giants a little higher than the Panthers. I, I don't know if that means I would actually move them up to the next tier. Yeah. That's, <laughs> like that's if you said to me, these two teams, which one is better? I would say the Giants. But I don't know if that puts them in the next tier with the teams you're going to put in the D, in the D plus tier. Right. And again, when we, we're taking the first round pick and we're sticking him right in the lineup, that's not necessarily a very good sign. Right. <laughs> now, that's for useful title points out. Andrew Thomas had nowhere to go but up after the rookie season, and he went up significantly. It wasn't just he got a little better. He's now a very capable starter. But since we are talking about guys who had no place to go, first round picks, highly talented guys who have no place to go but up, we go to the Las Vegas Raiders with Alex Leatherwood who was an absolute disaster at two different positions last year. He is still probably going to be starting maybe at right tackle, maybe at guard. They do have Colton Miller. That's outstanding at left tackle. But of all the position groups, one guy on the offensive line, it's like, okay, one guy on the offensive line. We're, we'll blitz from the other side. We'll rush 
et cetera. We can, we can neutralize that. Yeah. It's a weak link system. Secondary yeah. is like that too, where you pick on the one guy who's the weak link and offensive line is you pick on the one guy who's the weak link and Leatherwood is definitely a weak link. Right. Um, I might move Vegas up a little bit because in all the stats, they were around 20th in most of them last year, except for ESPN's run block win rate where they were 31st. Huh. Uh, and the middle guys, there's, you know, but the the thing is the, re the reason I'm, I'm sort of hesitant, I'm like kind of maybe move them up. It's not that the middle, the middle guys don't like jump, off the page at you when you look at the names john right. simpson who used to be with the bills right andre james who's a udfa who they worked into as their starting center right. and then denzel good that's all he's sweet for you he's yeah player. i mean i guess i'd move them up to d plus but not any higher than that it, it, moving I, I don't hate the idea of moving them up if you want to do it they also added a couple guys in the draft Dylan parham's a good prospect they add him in the draft and uh, you know, Andre James played surprisingly well. I, you know, you get mixed reviews on him, but ODFA into the starting lineup and plays well. If you want to move him up, I, I can see it based on that. Um, and I hope we're not going to have the same conversation, the one that we always have about the Houston Texans, as I look at their line and it's like, oh, I recognize all of these names. Obviously, Laramie Tunsil is still there uh, for some reason. And very good. He's still very good. Yes, yes. Yeah, Kenyon Green, who I think is a pretty good prospect. Yeah, Justin Britt is still in the NFL. AJ Can is still in the NFL. If I ask the question, are they still in the NFL? The chances are they play for the Houston Texans. And so, I mean, you're going to tell me that because it's a bunch of professionals, they have to go up. But you know, this is a garbage run blocking line. Okay. Their run blocking numbers the last two years have been absolutely hideous. So even though pass, if it was just pass blocking, I might argue up. Hi, True Mac. True Mac says he's tuning back in. It's been a while, so uh, we just so we haven't seen him in a while. Hi, welcome, welcome to our offensive line tier show. Yes. Uh, yeah, Houston's run blocking has been so hideous over the last couple of years that I think they've got to be down here. I feel like with ESPN must not have like watched any of the Chargers games. Because the Raiders run blocking and the Texans run blocking as well. And, of course, I had to watch all the Chargers running, like the running defense over and over again. For well, the Chargers run blocking is – the Chargers run block win rate is 20th. I mean the uh, their defense. Because when you oh, play their the Chargers defense, defense – well, These numbers are not adjusted for opponents. Oh, okay. And, and I guess if you watch Jerry Tillery over and over and over again, everybody looks like uh, Jonathan Ogden or uh, Tony Baselli facing him. So that's where you get a false read. Right. Um, but no, Vegas comes out really bad in the run block win rate. Texans, the Texans are really bad. The Texans are really bad in every running stat. Last team in the D tier, Seattle Seahawks. I'm actually clicking them right now. You can see me doing that because I've kind of forgotten who's on this line, which says something. And it's the usual collection of nonsense here. Charles Cross, again, another team like the first team. He grabbed the guy in the draft, good prospect. They're putting him in at left tackle. The rest of this is pretty yucky. Gabe Jackson, Austin Blythe. Uh, There's like no right tackle here. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, the incumbent right tackle is a guy who was an undrafted free agent rookie last year, Jake Curhan. Yes. And then they drafted Abraham Lucas in the third round. I, I have no memory. I hate when I get this point way out of the draft coverage. Like, I have no memory of this guy. I'm sure I looked him over and everything else like that. But Seattle yeah. always presents the same problem or has for the last few years of how much is Wilson and how much is the line? Because yeah. like they were last in pressure rate. Well, how much is Wilson and how much is a line? But they don't do particularly well in the ESPN stats that try to separate from the quarterback and, they just don't do well in any offensive line stats. And then their best offensive lineman is Dwayne Brown is gone now. So, right. yeah, it, I, I definitely think they belong down here. Solid D, solid Abe, D. Abe Lucas, Chad Reuter points out, yeah, Abe Lucas is a third-round pick, and he could be, beat out that guy, Jake Curhan, for the right tackle job. So that's two starters at tackle. So you'd be starting two rookies at tackle. But that's okay because Drew Which Lock may be great in 2024. <laughs> That's okay because Drew Locke is back there. You know, nothing of value will be lost. Um, let's go forth to the D plus. Now, D plus in my brain, if D was bad, but they drafted a first round rookie, D plus was bad last year, but they added a veteran or two that like improved things, but I'm uncomfortable moving them way up based on that. So I'll give you 
the Dolphins, who made some significant improvements, including adding Teron Armstead, but I look at the middle of their line, and goodness gracious, that's kind of still a disaster area. They're Connor Williams, but he's going to be playing center, which is weird. Here's the shocker. Okay. They were ninth in ESPN's run block win rate. Can you guess where they were in pass block win rate? Not ninth. No, they were last. <laughs> <laughs> and yet when I watched the Dolphins running the ball, it seemed like nobody had anywhere to go. I know the running backs weren't. No, they were 30th in adjusted line yards. So that's one place where the, the ESPN stat and our stat really disagree. Interesting. But they added Teron Armstead. They're at Toronto Armstead. And again, I looked. At, I was going to put him up higher because, like, well, they had Armstead and Williams. You're putting Williams at center. I don't know how that's going to work. Williams is not coming off a great year. So they're here. So in a similar vein, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Terrible yeah. line last year. Brought in some new faces to fix things. Third team I'm going to put here so they're all in the same place. Chicago Bears. Terrible line last year. Added Lucas Patrick. I know they added somebody else in front or uh, – they brought somebody else in there that I think they're going to be a little bit better this year. Uh, Lucas Patrick is, but Lucas Patrick for James Daniels is really just a trade off of the same guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The other thing is Tevin Jenkins is hopefully healthy enough to play, but then it's like, uh, we'll get to the Carolina Panthers. If you're asking Aladdin, the magic asks about the Carolina Panthers. We'll they're down there. Oh, have we have we done the Carolina Panthers already? Yeah. Yes, there they are at the D. They are icky, at the D. Icky and uh, the Icky and, <laughs> and an Icky line. And Pittsburgh is really good in things like pressure rate and blown block rate because Roethlisberger got rid of the ball so fast that you couldn't blow any blocks. Right, right. And I well, know they agree that the Pittsburgh offense of, of offensive line is bad. This is this bad. is a good point for them. They, they improved as the year went on last year, and I you know as I look at it here and say. Okay, there's yeah again. James Daniels is an addition for them. Um, I think okay, a four we got pretty good reviews by the end of the year. I'm comfortable with them where they are. Who else did I put on this tier? Ah, the New York Jets. As we await the return of Makai Becton, who you know I was impressed with early in his career, but it's kind of doing the Jets thing, where all the things that have gone wrong for the team in the past are still uh, like are, are impacting the first round pick. And they also added Lake and Tomlinson, who was not uh, not an insignificant addition on the uh, at guard. No, yeah, that's those are good. Uh, that's a good add. George Fant played surprisingly well last year, but I wonder a little bit if um, there's a little bit of one year wonder status. To, you don't think about that with offensive linemen, but like right. Fant had never been that good before in his career. Right. So when when you average out all of the offensive line stats, the Jets come out 30th. So I, I don't think I wouldn't put them any higher than this, but they definitely did add people. Like ad, adding Lake and Tomlinson is good. Another year for Vera Tucker is good. Another year of experience for him. Yeah. Uh, hopefully getting McKay Becton back is good. The Jets could definitely end up higher than this once we actually yes, play yeah. the season. Yes. I, we actually edited the Jets chapter today. Okay. And there's a lot of Jets could be higher than this. If, if, if with the Jets overall, like that's so, that's so Jets, <laughs> but it's, all de- it's so dependent on the quarterback, what happens to the team as a whole, but a, they're doing a good job of building a lot of the units. And there's a feeling like this could end up better than we think this could end up better than we think this could end up better than we think. Yeah. But a lot of rookies have to hit and a lot of youngsters have to develop and then the quarterback. Right. Right. And then everything has to gel. And then you put all that together and, you're still well below the Bills in your own division. I'm probably, you're probably well below the Patriots in your own division, so it's hard to get too excited. Are we moving the Bears? I, I, what was the final tally on the Bears? I think we're leaving the Bears. Okay. C. Um, C is a place I put a lot of teams where I didn't know where to put them. I'm going to start with one right now that would have gone in D+, except I was more impressed by their rebuild of the offensive line than with the rebuilds of other teams' offensive lines. and Plus, they're just a better team overall. The Cincinnati Bengals, who added Alex Kappa, added Ted, uh, uh, Ted Karras, added Leo Collins, uh, to Jonah Williams and uh, you know, Jackson Carmen, who they're going to give his 45th chance to be a starter. At also a, a reasonable run-blocking unit last year. True. 10th in run-block win rate, 15th in adjusted line yard. It was pass-blocking that was a huge, huge problem, but they have made a lot of changes there. Right. They made a lot of changes. I can't go any higher than C for them, but – 
you know, they're pretty high in the receiver uh, category and we're doing quarterbacks next week. So they'll have their moment. Um, a bunch of teams. I just, I don't know. I don't know what to do with a lot. And one of them is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, yep. Getting Ronnie Stanley back. Um, yes. Surprisingly strong last year in the ESPN stats. Right. Uh, pretty good in blown blocks last year. And that was without Ronnie Stanley. Right. They should have their center position solved now with Linderbaum. I think Linderbaum can step in right away. He's not Creed Humphrey. Totally different kind of player. Yeah, right? but he's a more of a step in right away guy than the tackles are, I think. Right, right. So, they, and they've got a little depth. They also added Daniel Falele. Uh, the guy who's 900 pounds. Yeah. The guy who is like three of me turned side to side. And they're not expecting him to start right away, but he's somebody who could contribute. I can imagine him as your sixth offensive lineman in short yardage. That would be a lot of fun. Um, the Indianapolis Colts who have, you know, probably one hall of famer on their offensive line, which is why I was looking for excuses to move them higher. And then I realized, Oh, their solution at left tackle was Bernard Raymond, who's a third round pick and Matt Pryor who bounced around for the years for Eagles. And yeah, that's the real problem is, is the real problem is left tackle and also kind of right guard where it's Danny Pinter right now. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Put another yeah, team on. This is about where they, they're sort of a middle of the pack offensive line. I think the, the good and the bad balance. Yeah. And, and that's it. Like in this, we did the same thing at the D level. I mean, Colton Miller is a hell of a ball player, but when you don't have a lot around him, what are you going to do? Or to the right of him, what are you going to do? I also put the Tennessee Titans in this group. Uh, I, I look at the, the talent and I like the talent. I like Taylor Lewin. I like Dylan Raduns. I like Nate Davis. These are guys I like when they were coming out as draft picks, et cetera. Last year, it never was all together at the same time. I know they had injuries and things like that, but I can't stack them up to being any higher than a say. No, this sounds about right. This sounds about right. 16th in adjusted line yards, 26th in adjusted sack rate. Okay. Yeah. And then you add a little health to that, you get C. Okay. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who I may have a little too high, but they have added Brandon Scherf. He replaces Andrew Norwell. That's still a you know a good ball player there. Your tackles are pretty straight with uh, with Ben, uh, excuse me, with Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor. Brought a lot of guys back. Whose biggest problem last year was the entire team was a mess. I think it's an adequate offensive line. Yeah, if you average the rankings of all these stats I'm looking at, they come out about in the middle. I think it's an average offensive line. I don't think it's not particularly good, right? but I don't think it's particularly bad either. Another team I just – I struggle when I'm trying to evaluate teams that were bad and were losing in a lot of fourth quarters, et cetera. I know the Lions kept a lot of games close. The Detroit Lions are here. Big Panay Sewell fan. Need to see more of it right now. Taylor Decker. Big, big V fan. I'm not going to try to say his name, but for his years in Philadelphia. Again, I couldn't stack this up, even though there's upside potential to be anything more than. I think the argument for making them higher okay. is that they were without Ragnow for all of last year. Mm. Mm. They were without Decker for half the year. Yeah. And that forced Sewell to play left where he was much better when he played right. So right. this year, you know, obviously you can't assume there'll be no injuries, but you figure they'll have Ragnow and they'll have Sewell on the right and they'll have Decker. I'm not going to say you have to move them up, but um, that's the argument for moving them up is that, that they were they were hurt. <laughs> it's not that they led the league in adjusted games lost at the position. It's that the guys who they did lose to injury were like their best guys. Right. Right. I can see that. And you're losing your center and you're losing one of your solutions to tackle and you're moving a rookie tackle around. But yeah, let, let's, let's see. Uh, maybe Jeff can help us. Hello everybody. How are you? Hey, there hey. he is. I made it home. Uh, sorry. I'm a little bit, the, the, it was just announced that, or, that uh, USC and UCLA are leaving the PAC 12 conference. So what, what? Uh, yeah. As a PAC 12 guy um, who covers a PAC 12 for a living, this has kind of got my brain. Going in a breaking, couple different are directions. Are you breaking news on no, our show? No, it was, it was tweeted out. John Winter tweeted out. It covers the Pac-12 conference. Um, Where are they to the big, big Ten. What? What? Yeah, what? I, I mean, I, I thought this was might happen at some point. Um, <laughs> I just didn't realize, like, now. Um, <laughs> and I, my day job is covering the Pac-12 conference. So, like, this is, um, yeah, it's like kind of changes my job. 
I so, am stunned. Okay, first of and, all, I, to be super yeah. Mr. Old School, I miss when the college conferences had some kind of geographic sense to them. Yeah, it, it stopped a couple of years ago when the ACC, when the Big East kind of broke up, and then like yeah. some of the biggest teams went to the Big 12, and then some like Rutgers went to the, the Big 10, and then it became like a kind of like a free-for-all. And so, but it's about money, right? Um, and that's what that's what this is about. Yeah, um, it's just sure. Rutgers USC rivalry. That is, it's coming. It's coming soon. It's yeah. in, the, in the Rutgers band. He's going to be hopping on planes to go to USC to play in Pasadena. I guess that's the fun pack, for him. But the Pack Eight has been a law around for yeah. so many years. It's about to go back to that. I mean, and it's not, I mean, I guess USC and UCLA, are they the biggest, they're the biggest schools in the conference? I, I, well, yeah. the is or, UCLA Oregon really is, bigger than or, Oregon? No, Oregon's ahead of UCLA. I mean, especially in football. Yeah, so um, I mean, basketball, we've had the same amount of success the last well, 20 years. football's all that matters, or else years. there would be conferences that wanted Connecticut. So and, and that's why I think, like, this is going to end up with Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten, too, at some point. So there'll be no more Pac-12? No. Yeah. No, at that and point, the they might as well join the American or something. Right. And the Big Ten is just like a little mini NFL at this point. just a nationwide. Right. And then the SEC will be like, yeah, come at me, bro. Correct. So yeah. then all you just need is for a couple more teams to join the ACC, and you'll have three conferences, and that will be all. Yes, basically. Wow. Okay. That is some news. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Sorry. Wow. Well, that, no, thank, well, you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, Schwartz, thank you for uh, letting us know because I mean we're not really college football guys for the most part, but it's this is a tremendous, tremendous yeah. news story. Yep. Um, and I think I'm so. I mean, I'm I'm not. I don't have my finger on the pulse. So you tell me. This is way more unexpected to me than Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big Twelve. Um, well, we. I guess when it was discussed, like. There, there was always the idea of maybe a 16-team league. And then when Hex and Oklahoma went, it was like, okay, well, maybe we're accelerating this. I think we're going to end up with, like, one just, like, giant big conference or two big conferences. And it's almost not going to be conferences anymore. It's just going to be, like, yeah, basically professional football leagues but in college yeah. football. And that's, I think, what we're moving to. Because it doesn't make sense, really, for, like, USC soccer to go play Rutgers soccer on a Wednesday night. Like, that right. makes no right. sense. But for football and basketball, they form their own little thing away from the conferences because NCAA has almost no control now, right? It's been they've been void of control, and so now you make it to where that's some sort of system like that. I mean, it seems like, but I got to imagine like if if UCLA and USC are doing this, so is Oregon. Oregon's gone. Washington's going to leave. Like there'll be no more Pac-12. You're right, though. There are a whole bunch of other sports. And at a certain point, the academic, I realize all the money is in football with a little bit of money in basketball. But at some point, the athletic directors are going to have to just completely make totally different leagues for the other sports. Because it does, it makes no sense for USC volleyball to fly to Maryland. Correct. Right. right. Yes. So this, again, this like, so I think what ends up happening is, again, like, Washington, um, and Oregon and the Bay Area schools end up going, and then like it's just the rest of them are left out, basically. Yeah, I guess that leaves out Arizona's, the Arizona schools, Utah, Colorado, Colorado, Oregon State, and Washington State. And they all they all fit into like the West. And like the Utah will go to the Big Twelve, right? And Colorado yeah. go back to the Big Twelve. Yeah. Arizona's go to the Big Twelve, like they'll just kind of go to the Big Twelve, basically. And there'll be four right. major conferences. The Pac-12 is like done essentially, which is wild because it's been a staple conference i work on the pac-12 radio station like i would no longer have a, i, I don't know it would what's be, gonna happen to the pac-12 radio. i guess that would be the conference real i guess that would be like the conference network that the tv network doesn't well is the TV, successful no as like it's not TV. but it's not about really that it's not about the network money it's about what you know fox and cbs and and right. and espn are giving you and the big Ten's doing a deal right now supposedly that's a million dollars um so it's just wild. And I'm like, I'm talking to my, I'm going to Pacto Media Day in a month. And like, it's going to be a Pacto Media Day is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, let's get back to offensive lines, yes, I let's guess. Do it. Just when wow. you came on, we were having a discussion. Uh, we were talking about the Lions. Do you have any opinions about a fellow by the name of Panay Sewell by any chance? Yeah. Um, you know, I was uh, really surprised at how well he played at right tackle after having a, the preseason he had, right? It was pretty right. bad. And I was, 
a thoroughly surprised. It goes to my point at times about how you just can't move guys and expect them to be good. Right. Like that's a thing that you know NFL people think and cause people think sometimes. But then he said that he played really, you know, he played well at left tackle when Dexter was out and that gave him the confidence to play in the NFL. He's like, look, I can do this, move over to the right side. The Lions guys have a surprisingly really good offensive line. Like they're they're gonna be one of the better offensive lines by the end of the season, I think, if if they can figure out right guard and everyone stays healthy, right? I, I don't I I looking at them last year, they played really well, I thought. Yeah, I said the argument to move them up is that they didn't have like a record setting number of injuries, but the guy who got it, guys who got injured last year were their best guys. No Ragnow. Correct. And no Decker for half the season. Correct. So if you have Ragnow back now and you have Decker back for a full season, hopefully, it uh, sounds like based on what you're saying, you would move Detroit up in tiers. I, well, I don't know if we move up. In, I think by the end of the season, they could definitely be up a tier. I think right now it's fine to be a little skeptical of, of them at the moment. Um, because we just don't know. I mean, every, you know, we didn't get many reps last year of them all healthy at the same time. Yeah. And so let's just kind of, and they have a bad quarterback, which might drag them down a little bit at times. So I think that the young talent is really there. Decker's has improved each year. So I want to see them, you know, fully healthy. Yeah. Now, can you see on the screen, the pre the first half of teams that we've yes. done in the bottom tier? Yes. Do you have any of these teams that you would specifically move up or down? Um, you know, the Bengals is interesting because they just have so many new pieces, right? Like if they play right. well, the Colts, right? If they figure out left tackle, then I think you you might want to move them up a little bit at some point. Um, the Ravens, they just have a lot of moving parts again. Tennessee, kind of same thing, right? They need young guys to play really well. Um, I think they've drafted some some guys I don't really like for that system. That's important, man. Drafting guys that fit for the system. You drafted yeah. a two hundred ninety five pound guy on North Dakota State to run a power offense. I, I don't see that being a good fit, right? Um, Jacksonville can be there. Walker Little is kind of the wild card, right? If Walker Little plays really we well, we didn't even that, talk about Walker Little. Didn't really yeah. play at all last year. And no, he played he played two games I think then in the season. Oh, did he? Right. Yeah. Um. So or two or three games. So he, he's going to be a component there and on the Lions. So it's a pretty. You know, they could all. I feel like these these teams will, can move up. Tennessee feels like this group that could move down at some point this oh. year. I'm not very high on them at the moment. Right. Right. The thing about, yeah, the thing about the solving left tackle is, is the Colts have a third round pick right now and a guy who's been hanging around the league for five years. So I don't know if there's a, a solution sitting there for the for the Colts at that position. Yeah. Um, yes. Probably so, not. So so let's pop the Titans down to D plus. But by, by the way, guys, I have like 10, 10 minutes. Is that okay? Then we're gonna speed through these. Let's yeah, because I, I now I'm like called to do more. Now I have to like get on the radio and talk about. Yeah, this. yeah I can imagine that the world just collapsed. <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing like extra radio now today. All of a sudden. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna hit you with a couple of, of okay. big name teams and where we put them, okay. and you can give your opinions on them. Okay. All right. I'm going to start with the fact that I gave the Green Bay Packers a C plus offensive line. Is that because the injuries last year, or we just don't? We just don't know what they're going to be this year. What are you concerned about? And, and one of them is, is the losses on the line. They, they lost um, uh, Patrick. Yes, Lucas Patrick. Yes. And we don't know when Bakhtiari and Jenkins are going to be healthy. Yes. yes. If they're both healthy, then they're above that, right? Yes. Yes, I think so too. What about, I mean, you're they okay were with actually pretty good in all the offensive line stats last year, both ours and the ESPN ones. Yeah. Even without Bakhtiari yeah. and whatever, how many games they didn't have Jenkins. But is that, like, is that Nishman Roger? Was is that... Not, Nishman was not bad. And, uh, and uh, Runyon was, was yeah. all right. And, is that, is that Rogers doing the balls out quickly, kind of protecting that? Some of that might be Rogers doing. There's no question. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But the run blocking stats were also very good. Um. Yeah, they 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 play well. I thought. I'll give you another team. I put at C plus, and this is because of losses. Los Angeles Rams. Inserting note boom yeah. at uh, at left tackle. Now they have a bunch of guys trying to fill in for Corbin at guard. Um. Yeah, and I think you know the note bloom is interesting because he filled in pretty well for Whitworth when he was out. That's a pretty. Um, that's a pretty good like go from you know border, borderline Hall of Fame player to like another good young player. You don't have that kind of very often, and so I think that if No Boom plays well enough, then you can probably bump them up at some point. But yeah, there's a lot of unknowns 
I think with the Rams at the moment, you know, right guard's unknown, right? And now left tackle, you, you know, now no there a full year. Um, you know, left guard, you know, we'll see what is, if, you know, the improvement there. So I think that's a, a good spot for them at the moment, yes. Okay. And C-plus is where I put teams that have had good lines for years but seem to have lost a guy or two. New England Patriots are another team I put in that. Yeah. And they're just like – you know, they're just trying to ram the ball down people's throats too. It's such a different offense than the rest of the NFL. <laughs> like they're right. just and and the Saints is interesting because, you know, you're I think Teron Armstead is is casually forgotten about when it comes to like best left tackles in the NFL. Right. And you put in Trevor Penning now, who I think can be good, but from a smaller school, you know, Pete kind of always getting hurt a little bit. Ramchek's really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ken Reese take the next step. I think Eric McCoy is good at center. So yeah, they're just you know, young kind of working through. Um, you know, some kind of new players and their young guys need to get better. Right. Do you have any thoughts at all on Cole Strange? Uh, I mean, I, I look, the Patriots kind of do things their own way. Um, <laughs> if, uh, you know, <laughs> so um, if, if they can get him playing well, no one would, no one would, um, would, would care very much. Right. Yeah. I don't think people will begrudge them the pick if he does turn into Logan Mankins. It's just, it's Correct. hard to, promise that you're going to turn into an all-pro guard correct okay all right I'll throw you a team I, I put a b in front of the denver broncos yeah you know what they, they um and this is kind of the benefit of having a good offensive line coach is munchuck still there i do not know they changed over just about everything else. yeah yeah, I'm curious. I actually have to look that up. So yeah. Garrett Bowles has improved a lot throughout his career, right? Was once a holding machine. He's gotten a lot better. Yes. Reisner's young and getting better. Uh, and Quinn Miners, they drafted two, yeah, last year, third round. Um, he's continuing to improve. Billy Turner is there now. Yeah, yeah and they're going to run that offense that's offensive line friendly if they get that thing rolling, right? That outside zone scheme, the play action pass, the bootlegs. So if they can get kind of those guys in that system fa fairly quickly and rolling up to speed, they could be really good too. Right. I like their depth. So I kind of like Lloyd Cushenberry. I, I think he gets like mixed reviews. Unfairly maligned because he does get maligned. <laughs> I thought I liked him at LSU. Maybe, I, maybe I'm, it's, it's a halo at this point, but uh, another, you know, I'm going to skip ahead a little here. Cause I know we only have you for a few minutes, Jeff. I put at B plus one of your former teams, Kansas city chiefs. Should they be higher based on everything you've seen from them? I think we may have had Jeff Freeze. Jeff is frozen. And my All right. Well, this. Okay. Uh, Chad Reuter says Munchak is out in Denver. Butch Berry is now their offensive line coach. Butch Berry was a working man. I'm not going to do the rest of that, Chad. That was so <laughs> This uh, has been. I, this is. Between Jeff uh, flipping on and off and uh, the gigantic Pac-12 news, this has definitely not been our usual show. Is, is that noise I'm hearing? Is Jeff trying to, like, patch in? Or am I having a stroke? It's I think possible. you're having a stroke. I, I heard a little noise, too, and I'm not sure where it's from. Let's tell close. you what. Let's, let's finish this up by reversing field. Let's do the rest of the teams by starting at A and working our way down with the teams we haven't done yet. A, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know you have some stats about uh, this group of familiar. So this is mind-boggling, and it does make me want to go in-depth with the ESPN block rate stats. Okay. Tampa Bay was only 22nd in run block win rate and 19th in pass block win rate. And here's the thing. They did awesome in all of our stats, uh, adjusted uh, line yards, adjusted sack rate, pressure rate, blown block rate, both pass blown blocks and run blown blocks as measured by Sports Info Solutions. Tampa Bay is fabulous. You want to talk about anecdotally how people feel about this line. People like Brandon Thorne rave about this line, right. rave about Jensen, rave about Wirfs. Like, yes, they lost Marpet. They do replace him with Shaq Mason. Yes. Um, like uh, they lost Kappa, but Stinney is not bad. Right. Like I do not know what is up with those ESPN block rate stats, but everything else points to the idea that Tampa Bay has the best offensive line in the league. And I would say, okay, I understand a Brady halo. Okay, this guy's getting the ball out quickly. But this is the opposite of a Brady halo. 
Right, right. <laughs> or like the Brady Halos on all of our stats. It's like, well, you keep nobody getting any, yeah, nobody's getting pressure on them because the safeties are deep. They're afraid of Brady. They're afraid of the receivers, et cetera. But I, I, but I don't see it because every other thing we see, again, like like the draft status of these guys, and then they come in and they perform well right away. Everything about this suggests this is an outstanding offensive line. They make Leonard Fournette look into a better player, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why I'm comfortable keeping them where they are, despite the win. Yeah, it would be different if the people I trusted about offensive line play didn't also rave about these guys, right. but they rave about them. Right, right. Right. They look good on the field. They look good on paper. They're the A. No S tier, guys. No S tier. Aaron has broken me of that. Quarterbacks for next week. Maybe we'll get Quarterbacks will have an S tier. No question. Better have an S tier. There might be four guys in that S tier. It's going to be a big S tier, yes. Big S. Big S S tier. Uh, B plus, I already mentioned uh, the uh, the Chiefs. I was hoping to get a a, uh, a little bit of a rise out of uh, Jeff, who played for them, and his brother played for them. Um, but again, this was a rock-solid group last year. I believe they're bringing everybody back. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, that's it. They're a B-plus unit. Unless maybe they're an A unit. What do you think? I'm I'm comfortable having them at B-plus. Okay. Fair enough. Now, there's a team. Wait, did I put them at B-plus? You had them at B-plus. I had them at B-plus. Another team, my hometown Philadelphia Eagles. We got to see here in the Jersey Shore yesterday a little bit more of uh, – Jason Kelsey and Jordan Mulata than we wanted to when they were guest uh, bartenders at a uh, at a Seattle City bar as a fundraiser. If you look around the internet, if you you check out guys like Mike K, you can see Jason Kelsey doing Jello shots. It looks about like what you would think that looks like. But you've got those guys. You got Jordan Mulata, really done a great job with the succession game over the years, bringing new guys like Mulata in to replace guys like Peters who they've lost. Yeah, not good in adjusted sack rate or pressure rate, but quarterback does have some impact on those, and I think quarterback clearly has some impact on those. All the other <laughs> offensive line stats, yet yeah, they, they all the other offensive line stats, they are at the top of the league. And quarterback and also scheme last year when the Eagles were doing like scheme of the week for a while uh, where you didn't know what they were doing. And now, now we're a pass-oriented team, and now we're going to run 40 times. It took a while for that to gel. Yeah. A, well, what, what, what do we got here? Quick note to Patrick Seeley. You can come at us with your Mac Jones. We'll shut us all up uh, next week. Uh, this week, uh, you would have had to have said uh, that Isaiah Wynn would Cole, shut us all up. Cole Strange will shut us all up. <laughs> All right, who else do we have in the B-plus tier? Kansas City, Philadelphia. We have the Cleveland Browns, uh, beloved, well-regarded offensive line. Lost J.C. Treader, uh, but you still have Wyatt Teller, you still have uh, Willis, you still have Joel Batonio, you still have Jack Conklin. Yep, I'm good with them here. If if they had not lost Treader, I would even say they could be the A. And here's the one I'm betting you're going to tell me to move down the Dallas Cowboys. They lost some bodies in Lael Collins and Connor Williams. Still have Tyler Smith. I know Tyler, excuse me, Tyron Smith who's injured all the time. He'll be injured for all but six yeah. games. And now they have Tyler Smith, the human holding penalty. I'm going to argue that you should move them down because okay. stats-wise last year, they were a little lower. They were only 23rd in pass block win rate. Um, they were only like sixth or seventh in the other stats, which, I mean, you know, not a not a big difference between that right. and B+. Plus, but I think uh, if we're going to not count on Evan Neal and we're going to not count on – Charles Krog, we cannot count on Tyler Smith either yet. Right. And Tyron Smith does seem to be always injured. So I would move Dallas down to B. Move them down. Move them down. I didn't want to look like an Eagles homer by putting the Cowboys down. So now Aaron did it. No, I did it. Yeah, Aaron did it. B, I think we already put some teams on the B list. Uh, I know I put the Denver in. And uh, Green Bay, we moved up to B. So that leaves a few teams that you had in your B list. The Washington Commanders. Help me out a little bit with this team. Yeah, they lost Scherf. Yeah. So I don't know if they should be a little lower than this, but that's a good offensive line. That's not the weakness of that team. Nope. Nope. Number one in run block win rate, by the way. It's just, okay. But like. They did better in the ESPN stats than they did in our stats, I will say. Uh, This is one I want to ask. I would want to ask Jeff whether he thought they were a B or a C plus. I think they're right kind of on the line. Okay. The Chargers, who still have a big question mark at right tackle. I think they got left tackle totally settled with Rashawn Slater. Center totally settled with Corey Lindsey. I think they're going to be fine. And Zion Johnson's going to play one of the guard positions. And then you have this big question mark, whether Storm Norton, the human blown block, is going to be back at right tackle, whether they're going to move Filer out there, 
or they're going to have a Jamari Saylor in there. This is a weak length situation. You might about to be telling me that the weak length means they got to go down. Again, I'm right on the line there. Um, yeah. I'm right on the line there. If it's filer at right tackle, I feel better about it than I do otherwise. I That one, I think, is more of a weak link than Washington. As of right now, I'm going to tell you everything I've read coming out of L.A., the filer right tackle thing is more something they've got in their back pocket. They're trying to make mm-hmm. Norton the right tackle. They're trying to make Norton work. Yeah. I'd say move them down to C-plus then. Move them down to C-plus. Another team that could be on the move, San Francisco 49ers. I was doing a little more research on them this morning, and the everything but Trent Williams is kind of woo up in the yeah. air. Yeah, Trent Williams is so good. Thordane Hammer asks about the Chargers. Do you think they could move Zion Johnson out to right tackle? It makes he he he's a natural center or guard. I think the more it, it would be might make much it more sense. Make to more sense to move Filer. Filer has played that position. I mean, I guess he could do it. It would be a. It doesn't seem like it's also in their plans right now. So. You know. It feels so disrespectful to Trent Williams in the season he had last year to drop San Francisco below B. Right. But but Alex Mack is gone. And I don't know a lot of these guys on the line. I was stunned when I loaded it up here. I was like, oh, yeah, I've lost track of how many new guys are kind of. Putting yeah, I think they've got to go down to C plus two. Yeah, move them down. Move them down again. Like we have, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Laramie Tunsil's a great player. They're way down at D, you know. It's possible to have a great lineman and still be in a bad situation. Okay. Buffalo Bills at B. Yeah, I'm good with it. See, they don't have – that's a situation where it's a weak link situation and there isn't a weak link. There isn't a strong link. There's right. no Trent Williams. There's no Rashawn Slater. There's no Bills lineman that you totally hang your hat on, but there's no weak link. Right. That's fair. I think that's that says it all. And that's a lot of the Bills ratings. They wind up at B or B plus at everything because, because they all don't kind have of, weak wings. They've just got an amazingly well built roster. Yeah, it's a team. It's a team effort for them. Um, where did I, I mean, put going into the season? Their only weak link was the second outside cornerback, and they drafted a guy in the first round to fill that spot. So you know, right, right, perfect. Uh, and the two favorite teams to talk about in this entire world are left <laughs> serendipity here: Minnesota Vikings. Good tackles, horrible guards. That's what I've got. Yeah, awesome adjusted sack rate because Cousins is doesn't take sacks. They, they belong in C, that, by the way. They were at C there, Ross. I was, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, they're a C, I'm and I'm fine with them being a C. And um, and uh, Arizona, we had at C, and I'm fine with them being a C. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of veterans. It's a veteran offensive line full of guys that don't blow you away but aren't going to get Kyler Murray killed. I think both the strengths and the weaknesses of that team are elsewhere. Yeah, Arizona might be a C-plus because there isn't really a weak link there, but I, I think not C. I'll leave them at C. Aladdin the Magic, you're a Crimson Tide fan. They're going to go all the way in college football this year, and they're going to be the only team that's not in the Big Ten. <laughs> I, I'm really, I mean, again, like we, you and I are not college football guys and we're very honest about that, but college football just needs somebody to set some rules. I, it, is crazy. <laughs> it is craziness. It is craziness. And it is my, my first thought is it's craziness, but I see these, these, the second thought is at what point do these conferences start shedding the weak teams? At what point can you not have a 20-team conference that has Indiana in it? Right. Like, at what point do you have to shed your Kentucky and your Indiana where their their strength is in the other sports? And then the other thing I feel is this is so not fair to the athletes who play other sports. That's right. This is so not – the point of college athletics is for all the athletes. That's why we have Title IX, okay? This is so unfair to every other sport. Even basketball, it doesn't make sense for USC right. to be flying to Maryland twice a year or however, whatever. It, you know, you, you, right. yes, you play a couple of out-of-conference games, but it's the only sport that these conferences make sense in is football. Like, at a certain point, they have got to separate football from the other sports. That's it. That's it. Again, I, I'm coming at this now as a marching band parent. And it's like, I don't mind. It's one thing for CJ to get on a bus and go to Maryland, the bus, even to go to Iowa or something like that. When we're taking plane rides across the country to, to, to 
like, like it's going to be an interruption of studies. And that's for, every, and again, for football players, it is, it's a different category. It's a different expectation. I get that. But every other place along the line, it doesn't make sense from a travel scheduling and, 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 and from a facilities usage and from anything and the expense of moving these teams around. I'm assuming again, these conferences are going to look different for lacrosse. Yeah, they've got to. At a certain point, they have got to separate because it doesn't make sense for these athletes to travel. And it also, it does not make sense to have Indiana in the Big Ten anymore in football or Kentucky or Vanderbilt for the SEC if they're going to be these super conferences. Like, they're going to have these really weak teams. And Patrick's talking about NIL. And NIL is only going to increase that dichotomy along the right. way. Right? Nobody, NIL just makes this worse. Yeah, Vanderbilt uh, boosters aren't going to come in and, like, pay these guys. These guys are going to get paid by the super teams. It's like, if you want to say there's a 12-team mega, mega, mega conference up there where all those the teams with the big NIL opportunities are, and everybody else is playing college football, that's fine. Maybe it's not 12 teams. Maybe it's 20 teams. Maybe it's 32. But what is going on right now is, like, this Frankenstein monster. Goldtow says, if you're a hot women's lacrosse player, you're getting NIL money. I was going to say baseball players at Vanderbilt. I was going to say Vanderbilt's the only school where it's the baseball players, not the football players, who get the NIL money. And a lot of people are going to get NIL money in terms of, yeah, you can get an endorsement here, the local Dodge dealership, the local pizza joint, whatever. We're talking about NIL money, money, money. And, you know, that's in your own head there, Goldtow. I just don't think it's workable where you could have like an 18-team college football conference. I just don't think it's workable. You're going to end up having to break into two sub-conferences. And, and then the sub-conference is the conference. And right. then the, the game against the other, the West, the Big Ten West is your one out of conference game. Yeah, it's, it's um, I'm, I'm floored by USC and, and Pac-12. And, I, and, and, and Patrick, so, so the good teams will always be good, which I think I know what you're saying there. It's like the good teams have always been good, et cetera, et cetera. But like, there's something about the travel schedule that makes a sense. Lot, yeah, like, I'm not complaining. This is not a complaint about uh, competitiveness. I'm not complaining about competitiveness at all. Like college football's competitiveness, I don't yeah, think yeah. USC moving to the Big Ten changes who's going to win the national championship. I, I'm complaining about the other athletes and 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 stuff like that. And, and yeah, it's like okay, Michigan has been going over and beating the nonsense out of Northwestern since time immemorial. Etc. Right. But it's like you get there on a bus, you go home the, the same night, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now it's like we're we're going to be crossing time zones and things like that for some of these games of teams that are nominally in the same conference. It's not the NFL, okay? It's not like there's going to be a draft and the Jaguars are going to get a new guy or three guys. This is all still recruiting and things like that, and the disparity is just going to get more and more ridiculous. Absolutely wild. All right, uh, next week on our show. We will probably not have breaking college football news. Next week, we will have Derek Klassen back with us, and we are going to do quarterback tiers. Aaron, next year, next week, we're going to have breaking Deshaun Watson news. Oh, my God. No, I think to- I'm calling it. Excuse I'm me, but it is it. a holiday weekend, and tomorrow is a Friday. It is coming yeah, out at 5 p.m. tomorrow. Maybe they're not done. I, that's, that's what I would guess, too, but maybe they, they don't sound like they're done. They don't sound like they're done. (laughs) There's not enough happening in the world right now. The NFL can slip this news in. Everything is so hunky-dory they're worried about it. But I think they're – I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, Again, please like and subscribe to the show. Make sure you get notifications of when we go live. We will be back again next Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern, to do quarterback tiers. I'm Aaron Schatz. That's Mike Tanier. So long, everybody.